And we're still chilling. It's Russ and Gavin with you from Let's Open the Bible. Gavin just uh, dropped some knowledge on me that uh, it was a reference to a Snoop Dogg song. I had no idea. And uh, I couldn't tell you anything he Wait sings. a second. Don't you ride your banana seat bicycle like all laid back? You know, back in the day, I probably did have your money and your money seat. on your mind. Isn't that what? Who, who sings that? Same. That's Snoop Dogg? <laughs> and Dre. I, well, Dre I, and Snoop because Dogg. I've heard that said. I've never heard it sung. I don't think. Okay. Anyway, listener, I apologize. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians still. We're going to look at verses 6 through 11 as we talk about various ways to share the gospel, I believe is, is what we said. Uh, Gavin, I'm going to uh, lead us off with uh, prayer here in this episode, and if you would, just cover uh, the passages from uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 6 through 11. All right. You know what we're doing? Yeah, I'm reading. Okay, great. You're praying. Yep. It's And we're having a revival. Amen. All right. Uh, Lord, thank you again for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to for Gavin and I to gather, uh, to open your word, to read your word into these electronic devices that uh, uh, people from uh, all around the world would have access to your word, to your gospel. Uh, Lord, that is amazing to me, and uh, I'm incredibly humbled and thankful uh, that you would even look in our direction. Uh, that uh, let alone that you would send your son Jesus to to suffer and die for for our sins, um, be buried and 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 then rose again, Father, defeating death and sin, our two greatest enemies. And so, Lord, uh, we we just we love you, we praise you, we thank you. But Lord, we need you. You are God, and there is no other. And help us always keep that before us, um, and that your word would guide us in all truth. We love you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's read. 1 Corinthians 15, 6. <clears throat> then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. We will fly through this. Um, we'll fly through the text, and then, uh, which is the most important thing. So I don't mean we'll we'll. Uh, be too casual about it, but we're going to fly through the text and then we're going to talk about various ways of sharing the gospel, ways that maybe you have found helpful. So um, we talked about it before. He appeared to more than 500 and you can ask them. They'll tell you that this is what happened. It was not uh, some hallucination or one person that was had lost their mind. This is a well-documented and uh, attested to account of Jesus, his death, burial, and his resurrection. Um, and then he appeared to James, uh, most believe that this is the brother of Jesus, right? Um, uh, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I do not believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary. Uh, some do, which means that this would have been a relative of Christ. I do not believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary as some people do. This would be the actual half brother of Jesus, Mary, Mary and Joseph's son. Right. Right. Okay. So what I think what this is alluding to is that um, not only then would he become one of the leaders of the church, but also James uh, is one that would be easily able to identify Jesus. 
right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he knows him. He's not going to, you know, are you, are you sure you're a Jesus type thing? No, this is one that would know this is Jesus or not. Um, Talk about a, a tough crowd to grow up with, you know, being a, a half brother of Jesus. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, why, why can't That's, you do it like him? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Man. Never That's get tough. angry. Yeah. Oh yeah. The set the standard. He's your favorite, and he should be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you love him more than me. Yeah, if you don't love him more than your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your, your children, your wife, even your own life more than me, you're not worthy to be called my disciples. Can you imagine? Tough, tough room. Yeah. That's a tough wow. Room. That's tough. All right. <clears throat> um, and then and then there's this this abject and gross humility of Paul, who wrote 13 books of the Bible, and yet just talks about he's him, the least of these. The least. Yeah. Not just words. No, he, he really did consider himself the least. Yeah. And, you know, he says in 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am protos, first and foremost chief. I can't imagine the, I guess, grief, for lack of a better word. There's probably a better word. The, the, the burden that he bared for persecuting the church in hindsight, you know, as he came to faith in Jesus Christ and recognized how, just how wrong he was. Right. And that's a weighty thing. He, cons- he was a blasphemer. Is yeah. what he, he, he acknowledges he was a yeah. blasphemer against God. But, but mm. what I love is that if you understand God and your sin correctly, it never allows you to boast. I mean, that that's one thing that the, that, trusting that God is the Lord of the harvest, and if anything good happens, it's God alone that does it. It prevents you from boasting. The Bible is very uh, clear about not boasting in anything, lest any man should boast. God has done these things. It's not a result of works, lest any man should boast. So, um, uh, But it it doesn't lead to, oh, I'm just the most miserable, wretched person in the world. I know I am, but I've heard this said, and I don't agree with this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. less. I don't like that. Paul doesn't seem to do that. Paul seems to just embrace, I was a persecutor of the church. I was wicked. And doesn't use it as a place of boasting or thinking of himself less. He uses it as a a leap board to make much of Christ. Right. Let me tell you about the God I served. He used me, even me. He loves me. Yes, even me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. Amen. It, it, he uses it as a leap board to make much of the God he serves and the Christ who died for him. So I think that's exactly what goes on here. It's not just going, oh, woe is me. That's, that's not where you should end up. It's not going, well, I will never talk about myself or think about myself. That's not what Paul does. Right. Paul uses this humility, this genuine humility, this abject, I killed people that were God's servants. There will be people that I will encounter in heaven that I killed or had killed or put in prison and ruined their lives and took from their families. And we will sit around the throne of God rejoicing about how good he is. Together. Yeah, together. Man, that's good. Yeah. All right. Um, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I, and I want to say this. Um, if you say, there but for the grace of God go I, you're saying something slightly different than he did. I think those words um, kind of link you with the Pharisee and the tax collector, you being the Pharisee. 
I thank God I'm not like other men, even that tax collector. Hmm. I, I think when you go there, but for the grace of God, go I, you are there. Maybe not the same exact sin. So, you know, let's put it in this kind of context. You see a guy stumbling drunk down the... You used to drink, right? Yeah. So you see a guy stumbling drunk down the sidewalk and you go there, but for the grace of God, go I. That tends to come from a pharisaical place. I thank God I'm not like other men. Right. Absolutely. That's not what Paul is saying here. Yep. He's saying everything that we have is grace. And it doesn't lead to any kind of puffing up i could be like that guy but i'm not you are we're the, i love this idea at the foot of the cross it's all level that's right and we've talked about john stewart enough that i hope people get you know when when people hop behind the cross and go we don't like you people around here you know like what in the world you're on the other side of the cross get there cling to the cross and cry out to other people there's room for you too that's right all right anything you want to talk about there because no. we, we've got to hustle through it because we're not going to get to some presentations. Hustle, Russell. <laughs> Aren't you, Russell? Oh, that's right. Yeah, you hustle, Russell. All right. On the contrary, I worked harder. So so the idea that grace is is moving in your life and and and, and faith is, is a gift from God, your belief is a gift from God, your your justification, every single part of your- It's all a gift. It's all a gift. Does not mean that you don't do anything. We don't just live and let God, hey, we just sit back and do nothing. No. Yeah, Jesus, Paul take the press, wheel. Yeah. Yes. Paul presses on. He works hard. Wait, why does he work hard? And then you go, well, is it he or God? And it yes. gets confusing. Yes. Yes is the answer. Yes. By the strength he powerfully works within me. So you 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 have supernatural uh, power to do things that you could not do on your own. Does that mean that, you know, I don't ever need sleep? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that what you need, God will provide. Any thoughts? I, I'm just thinking of Sunday's message and and how much this ties in. I think it's it's fascinating. Okay, perfect. God is good. All the time. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, whether then it was I or they, so we preach. Did you look up preach? So the word there, I, I did preach. not. Okay. Um, I think we'll look up the word there, preach. I think I have an idea. It is caruso. It means to herald, um, especially divine truth, to preach, to proclaim, and to publish. There are some people that make a huge deal about a lay person in the pulpit. They're not preaching, they're speaking. I don't. Are they proclaiming the gospel message? Are they preaching the gospel message? Those are synonymous. That's what they should be doing. Do you have a Do you have a problem with that? I don't ever want to make you say something that you would not say. No, I don't okay. have a problem with it. So when someone goes, he's up there preaching. I go, is he proclaiming? That's what I want. Is proclaiming? That's what it means. Yeah. Well, preach that. Proclaim. Yeah. Make it known. Shout the good news of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. All right. So what is that news? Let's let's lay down. Um, so here you go. If you were forced. To give the gospel, and I'm not, would you would you be able to? If your pastor stood up on a Sunday and just said, "Hey, here's the microphone. Tell us the gospel," how would you would you stumble through it? Would you be concise with it? So Mark Dever asks his members, new members joining the church, Capitol Hill Baptist Church, to be able to give the gospel in one minute, and and you can look this up online and write it down and and use it. You could, you could go to First Corinthians 15, one through five or more than that, and memorize it and say that. But you need to be able to give the gospel in a, in a concise way. 
Um, so let's let's look at Mark Devers' concise way that he gives us. It's it, he he tells his new members, uh, "You have a minute. Could you give the gospel?" Mark Dever in the Gospel and Personal Evangelism writes this, the good news is that the one and only God who is holy made us in his image to know him, but we sinned and cut ourselves off from him. In his great love, God became a man in Jesus, lived a perfect life and died on the cross, thus fulfilling the law himself and taking on himself the punishment for the sins of all those who would ever turn and trust in him. He rose again from the dead, showing that God accepted Christ's sacrifice and that God's wrath against us has been exhausted. Now He now calls on us to repent of our sins and to trust in Christ alone for our forgiveness. If we repent of our sins and trust in Christ, we are born again into a new life, an eternal life with God. And I want to, and I just want to emphasize a few words, though all of it is good. And maybe you write it down, or go online and look it up, and and or go to the uh, gospel and personal evangelism. But um, do do people trust in Christ alone for their forgiveness? Hmm. Not Christ plus works, you know, as uh, one pastor said, Christ plus nothing equals everything. Like if you're trusting right. Christ plus works, or uh, I went to a church function one time where they talked about uh, missionaries. Um, I hope not Southern Baptist missionaries, but missionaries in, I'm going to make up a country, maybe India, and in those places that believe in Hinduism with 330 million gods, they have no problem with you believing in Jesus as one of many ways of enlightenment. And so they would have these these missionary households that in order to worship or to stay there, the locals would make them put up flags of other gods. So they would have Jesus, sure, but they would have other gods as well. And Jesus was just one of many. That's we believe that it is Christ alone that is our hope. It's the solas. Yes, salvation Solus. alone by grace Christus. alone through yeah. faith alone in Christ alone according to the Scriptures alone for God's glory alone. Yes. Um, <clears throat> um, he rose from the dead, showing that God had accepted Christ's sacrifice. That is a declaration that if you believe in Christ, you will be saved. That when when Christ rose from the dead, it was. Um, what, uh, what does it say in Romans one, when it says that, uh, Christ was the son of David, according to the flesh was of the seed of David, according to the flesh, but declared to be the son of God with power, according to his resurrection from the dead. So he was declared the acceptable sacrifice for uh, the sins of the world when he died and was raised again. That was a declaration that it was, that the sacrifice was accepted. So those are some things that you want to keep in mind. So what are some of the ways that we can use to present the gospel? You'll talk about it in a second. I'll give you two quick ones. There are quick outlines of God, man, Christ response. Um, there, it's m much longer than this, but you, God made the world and everything in it. And as, as creator has the right over his creation to say how that we interact with him. He says that we must be perfect in order to interact with him. But the problem is man. So that's God, man, man sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Um, the wages of sin is death. Well, we've all sinned. We all deserve death. Christ, God loved the world and sent his son to die for the sins of those who would believe and response. You must respond and receive that, accept it and trust it. Um, in order to be saved. So God, man, Christ response. There is a uh, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Uh, it's kind of the meta narrative of scripture that you can use as an outline for you presenting the gospel. Anything you want to say is a way, a good way of presenting the gospel? Well, I like Paul's example in Acts 26 when he appears to Agrippa 
and uh, he shares his testimony. And, and basically, there's three elements, uh, three three aspects of his life that he shares, interweaving the gospel throughout this testimony. One, he talks about his life before Christ. He was a sinner. He was a blasphemer. He was killing, uh, martyring Christians. He was doing all these things, not because he was uh, not zealous for God. He was zealous for God, but in his zealousness, he missed the point. That was Christ. Uh, then he talks about how he met Christ. It was on that road to Damascus uh, when when uh, Christ uh, appeared and, and he was blinded and, and and Jesus says, you know, why why are you persecuting me? Uh, and then he talks about his life since Christ and the difference that Christ has made in his life. And I, I think that's a good model, a good blueprint. I think the problem that I hear from believers, they talk about. Uh, their life before. They talk about how they met Christ. They talk about their life since, but they don't necessarily talk about the gospel in that. Uh, you know, when they talk about how they met Jesus, they'll say, well, you know, I was at a revival service or a vacation Bible school or whatever, but they don't talk about the gospel. They don't, they don't articulate often. It's not all, but often they don't talk about how uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the elements of the gospel, uh, made the, you know, God used that to open their eyes to their lostness. As, the, as, as Paul, uh, as he regained his sight, it was like scales falling from their eyes, from his eyes. We, we miss that importance of the gospel there sometimes in sharing our testimony. That's one way. So I love that. Love, love, love that. I would uh, also put a little caveat caution, which you you already guarded against. I just want to reiterate this for some people. Um, Mormons give their testament. Yeah. And I believe Mormonism is a cult and would be glad I, to walk through that. I agree with you. Yeah, would be glad to walk through that. It, it, so so <clears throat> just because someone can give a testimony, because someone says the testimony is the most powerful. No, Paul's testimony was the gospel on display. The gospel is what we need to... To, to make known, to remind people of the gospel was Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 15, right? We are to remind people of that gospel. Now, if your testimony, you want to use your testimony as a, as a kind of a leap board into that gospel, which you cannot lose in the testimony, by all means, do that. But the gospel is the central feature. Right. Okay. It is God's okay. power to salvation. Right. The testimony itself is not. Right. Amen. Perfect. And and you already said that. You made it clear that some yeah. many people are forgetting the gospel, which is the key. They're yeah. giving their testimony, which is, you know, can be a whole bunch of things, including end up in Mormonism. You know? Well, I, I said Sunday, you know, your testimony may be amazing. It may absolutely be incredible to hear uh, how how uh, the difference that Christ has made in your life, but if it doesn't have the gospel, it is not powerful. Right. And so Paul in the Areopagus um, and and Peter at Pentecost are present the gospel in two separate ways, and you will see the gospel presented same gospel. Do not le lose the 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 core truths of the gospel, but presented in different ways with different people. Uh, some people in America have a very good understanding of sin and their need of a savior. Other people have no idea even what sin is, uh, and I don't mean like that sin is any thought, word, or deed that breaks God's law of omission or commission. They don't even understand what it, like what's wrong with doing X, Y, or Z. There's nothing wrong with doing X, Y, or Z. They don't even understand the category of, of bad, right. bad actions. So you would present the gospel to those two groups very differently. Same gospel needs to have the same truths in it. It's not, you're not changing the gospel, but you present it differently. In scripture, there are different presentations. You can have a different presentation. In fact, I don't like canned presentations. I think every situation requires some, some emphases of uh, uh, different things. Okay. And then the last one is 
present the gospel. Somebody said something along the lines of, it's not that the gospel has been tried and found wanting, it's that the gospel hasn't been tried. We're not even proclaiming it. So I love D.L. Moody's reminder. I like my way of presenting the gospel, whatever, however flawed it, it is, you know, and, and I don't, again, you don't lose core truths. I like my way of presenting the gospel better than your way of not presenting the gospel. So I think that's one reason why I like Ray Comfort. You alerted to Ray Comfort, yeah. I think, in yesterday's episode. Uh, that's one reason why I like his approach to the general population because the general population has no basis for understanding right and wrong. What's wrong? What's wrong if I call myself a girl and I'm a boy? What's What's wrong if I change my, uh, you know? What's wrong if I do this? Yeah. They They don't have a concept of that, and so he just takes them back to the very basics: lying, stealing, lusting. So there have been there have been studies that American uh, students rate themselves among the best performing in in the world and and actually perform very mediocre to less than mediocre by worldly standards in terms of academics, right. uh, academic proficiency. But we rate ourselves uh, among the very best in the world. We have a very we, high opinion of ourselves. We have, well, it's been taught. Self-esteem, even among Christian churches, has been like the, the, the cause du jour, the cause of the day. Um, you should feel great about yourself. So, well, what if I fail? Don't talk about failure. You're not a fail. You're everything you do is winner. You deserve a prize for second place, third place, award. Yeah, whatever it is. And I, we we are so much about self esteem that people we have become gods. And if we don't think it's wrong, it's not even wrong. And right. I, and I love how you say, okay, well, let's just take you back to these ideas. Do you think it's okay to lie? No. Well, do you lie? Oh, busted. Yeah. That's called sin. And, yep. you know, does a good judge just ignore sin? Does a good judge just say, yeah, I don't worry about that stuff. You can break any law you want. I don't care. No good judge would do that. That's not good judge. That's not a good judge. So a judge has found you guilty. You are guilty. And by the way, you don't have to accept it. I think I told you I was at a court hearing one time where the guy, he was speaking Spanish and through his interpreter said, don't worry about it. It's fine. When the judge says, do you plead guilty or innocent? That's all he had to do is plead one or the other. And the guy said, nah, don't worry about it. It's okay. The judge said, I don't think you understand. You're just pleading guilty or innocence. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm good. I took care of it. What do you mean you're good? You don't just get to it. Like, yeah, whatever I'm charged with, it's okay. I'm good. No, you're not. You're guilty. So, and then he has to get a lawyer assigned to him and stuff like that. But it was just, it was crazy. The interpreter was looking at the judge apologetically. Like, uh, he said he's good. <laughs> no, you're not. That's why you're here. He, he doesn't need your services anymore, judge. He said yeah, he's fine. I'm done yeah, with they, you. <laughs> yeah, the guy's just, he dismisses the judge. Oh, we're fine. We'll, yeah. so we'll talk to you later. No, yeah. that's not how a good judge works. So, so then what do you do with this sin? You confess it and you repent and you place your trust in the one who's already paid for it. Amen. Uh, excellent. Well, uh, listener, thanks for joining us today, and and hopefully over the uh, past several episodes, hopefully these uh, have been encouraging for you and helpful in your understanding of the deep riches and truths of, of the gospel. And uh, we encourage you to continue to open your Bible wherever you are, and, and however you do that, continue to open your Bible and uh, mine it for all it's worth. Until we catch up with you in the next episode, God bless. <laughs>